Hello, I'm Teres Diasny, and welcome to this Head Talks podcast. I've been speaking to Johnny Benjamin about his new book, The Stranger on the Bridge, My Journey from Despair to Hope. My name is Johnny Benjamin, and uh, I'm a mental health campaigner and a writer. Johnny, so since Head Talks first spoke to you, you've come even further on your journey. You've written a book, um, and it's almost 10 years ago since the incident on the bridge, and then nearly four years ago since you met Neil, the man who helped to to save you. How would you say that the journey has been, really, since then? Because it's, it's had its ups and downs from reading your book. Yeah, it's, it's had its ups and downs, and it's a constant journey, to be honest. It's a constant journey where I'm learning um, about myself, uh, about the way my mind works, trying to not control it, but trying to... Uh, find ways to manage my mental health I think I'm always trying to find ways to manage my mental health and kind of yeah the more I the more I do uh, around you know the UK and then actually globally now the more I learn about uh, the mental health system and and mental health care and different treatments there are and 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 the the way people are treated and and just there's just so much to do there is so much to do everywhere I see you know from schools to prisons to workplaces to just general kind of society there, there's such a I mean we're moving forwards we, we are moving forwards but there is this there's, there's so much that that needs to change and um now I'm really sort of putting my energy into yeah looking at ways we can change things and and and, and support people and um really focus on prevention the prevention end of things actually because we we don't tend to focus on prevention as well as trying to obviously look after my own mental health which is always a a challenge. In your book you talk about yourself as a child and some of your early symptoms of mental health problems. What do you wish you had been taught as a young child perhaps in school or elsewhere that might have helped you perhaps to cope or perhaps to get help before things came, became as serious as they did? I just wish I would have had some sort of um, emotional literacy at school, you know, someone to to tell us, you know, it's okay, it's okay that you're feeling this way, that your 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 thoughts and your feelings are valid and are okay, and because from an early age, I thought I was not normal. I thought I was not not yeah not like everyone else at, at school, and I felt very different. And I thought my well, obviously, you know, I started hearing a voice in my head, and kind of again, if someone would have come in and uh, into my school and just done some sort of mental health education, I just talked about it. I think. Um, I would have then talked about what was going on, but I didn't have the language. I didn't have the language. I, I, I didn't understand what was going on. I didn't know that, you know, this was a mental health issue. So again, just, just some sort of, of, of mental health education, just some some sort of, uh, just one, even just one talk at school, just someone coming in for an assembly would have been something, but there was nothing. And is that the kind of thing you're now trying to do yourself, talk to people at school at that level? It is, but, but really, I think more than that, I think it's actually... we. I'd like to see mental health embedded into the curriculum. And um, that's kind of my my dream, you know, where where we can talk about mental health in different subjects, like history, you know, people that have mental health issues, people like Winston Churchill, you know, he, he struggled with his mental health. And, and why can't we talk about that? Or, you know, in science, why don't we learn more about the brain and the way it develops? And so things like that, I'd, I'd love to, I mean, we are, we're doing as much as we can in schools, but it's limited because there's limited space on the timetable in the curriculum for mental health, which I want to see change. I want to see change, just as we do physical health education on the curriculum. You know, young people, they, they're taught how to like look after their bodies. They're not taught how to look after their minds. So 
yeah, there's a lot that I want to see change in schools, but we are trying the best that we can at the moment with, with the limited space that we have in schools. And also in terms of limited space and resources, the health system, the, the, the NHS, has got problems in terms of dealing with mental health issues. What would you like to see change there? Well, that's a massive question because there's so much. There's so much that, I mean, everything from kind of inpatient services where, you know, I, I speak to a lot of people in hospitals or who've been in hospitals and they don't get the help they need. The, the, the support and the treatment, it's, it's just not good enough. Um, so everything from, you know, inpatient services to waiting lists for therapy are dreadful at the moment. They're really dreadful. Different changes in different parts of the system, but I think overall... I really want to see funding, um, not just increased, but sort of secured for mental health. Because at the moment, what we're seeing is commissioners, you know, they get this pot of money and then they um, they look at the gaps in the physical health services. So, oh, we need we need a new mach- machine there for, for that hospital. And they'll take the money out of mental health and they'll put it into that the physical health services. And that's that's not good enough. That needs to change. The money for mental health needs to be secured because... We've got more and more people asking for help now for mental health issues and less and less resource. So I think I think funding funding is it's not the only only thing that needs to change, but it's it's probably the, the biggest thing that needs to change. And you said just now that dealing with your own mental health is always an ongoing process. What have you found that works for you, and what do you do now if you know that you're starting to feel unwell? Well, I know now that I've, I've got different triggers, as, as a lot of people have, they've got different triggers. My, my triggers are sleep, which I think is one for everyone. I mean, you know, if I don't get enough sleep, I start becoming quite unwell. Uh, stress, and again, stress is inevitable, but the way that I manage stress now, I try and, try and do it differently. Um, and, and things like alcohol, I try and be really careful with, with the alcohol that I consume. Every day I try and do different things, like meditation is a big one for me. Mindfulness is, is, is a huge part of my kind of onward journey it has to be um and things like uh at the moment i'm having something called compassion focused therapy which is all about developing self-compassion and again that's been really useful really useful and then always working on my thoughts i've had a lot of cbt cognitive behavioral therapy in the past and again just you know i've picked up different tools i think over the years to, to use and i always i'm trying to use those tools really but to be honest i think talking is, is probably actually probably is the most important thing for me is talking and, and being honest, being honest when, you know, I'm, I'm struggling or there's difficult, challenging things in my, in my head. Being honest and talking about that with, with, I mean, I'm really lucky I've got an incredible therapist now, but also talking to, to friends and talking to family when I can, which is still hard, but talking really is the key. It's the key to keeping me well. And it's also clear from your book that although you launched an amazing campaign uh, to find Neil and there was a huge amount of media interest in that, that dealing with that, dealing with people like me, is also not an easy thing for you to do. Yeah, I think, um, well, I think back then, back then when I first found Neil, it was it was different because I didn't have so many tools, you know, I, I wasn't, now, right now, you know, I'm, I'm trying to do the best I can. I'm trying to practice the mindfulness every day and use the, 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 the CFT, the compassion focused therapy techniques. Whereas back then when I found Neil during that period, I was really, I wasn't doing anything really. I wasn't, I wasn't, I know back then I wasn't taking medication. I'd, I'd come off my medication. Now I take medication. So I was really kind of, uh, there was no tools really to keep me grounded. And I just kind of, I just found it all kind of, kind of overwhelming and intense. And, um, 
I mean, I'm obviously I'm delighted. I'm glad that you know found Neil, and that was amazing. But I just yeah, I I wish I would have kind of done things to to keep myself grounded back then. Um, because I, yeah, I didn't, and that's what led me to become unwell again. The story of you and Neil is really an inspiring story about how one individual can help to make a difference for somebody who's in distress. For those of us who aren't professionals, who aren't teachers or doctors or therapists, what would your advice be? How can you, in a normal circumstances, help someone who might be suffering with their mental health? Do you know, I think a big part of, of what Neil did that day was the listening, actually. Just listening, and I know it sounds just, it just sounds very basic, but it, it, it is just listening, just but really actively listening. You know, he... I hadn't been listened to in that way before where someone just really just held the space for me and there wasn't any kind of like, I don't know, interrupting and saying, oh, well, I think you should do this or, you know, just try this or, um, you know, I've been there as well. It, it just, the way that he listened with this like, real patience and um, a real empathy and, and also the way that nothing nothing phased him, no matter what I said on the bridge, it just didn't, didn't phase him. He was so grounded and so calm and... Any, I think anyone can do that. Anyone can, anyone can, can listen in that way. Just, just it takes, it take, it takes, you know, some effort because we're not used to that. But if, if you can hold the space for someone, it can make a big difference. But not just the listening, but I think also the the way that he spoke to me with, he was incredibly positive, incredibly positive. Um, you know, he kept on saying, "You will get better." You know, this is this is going to pass, and just that positivity, that positivity, and that hope. Uh, again, anyone can hold that hope for someone. I think. And he certainly did for me that day. He, he he is naturally, I mean, naturally, he's a very positive person, very positive. But, you know, we've all got that positivity, I think, within us somewhere that we can bring out and help someone in need. I'm very struck by what you say about hope. You know, looking forward from now, you've still got that that core of hope. Mm. Yeah, oh, I, I have to. I have to. If I lose hope, then kind of I lose everything, if that makes sense. Um, when I was ill... Not last time, I think, well, actually, when I was ill after I found Neil, about nine months later, I went back into hospital and I was had my relapse and I lost hope. I really lost hope. And when you went, I, I remember that time, it was awful. Just, it was just, just that feeling of not never being able to get better, never ever being able to overcome the, 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 the state of, of anxiety and paranoia that I was in. I, just, I really thought I could never, ever uh, overcome that. And, um, yeah, I, I lost all hope, and, and now um, my last relapse I had last year, again, went into hospital. It was very different because I, I held on to that hope. And what helped is other people holding on to the hope for me. So my psychiatrist was, she was so positive. And when she first saw me when I had a relapse and went into hospital, you know, I was expecting maybe her to be, you know, concerned. Well, obviously she was concerned, but she did it in a, in a kind of, you will again you will get better you're going to get through this johnny you know and just hearing that from someone particularly your psychiatrist or my psychiatrist meant a lot meant a lot so i think it's important for you to hold on to the hope but you need other people around you to hold on to the hope because uh it's hard to do it alone it's really hard to do it alone thank you so much for talking to us thank you